This is Rabbi Elbaz from SLC. Um, I'm going to be talking about, of course, Miketz, as also the relationship between Miketz and Hanukkah. Parashat Miketz happens to fall pretty much always on Hanukkah. And there are some remazim, some hints from the parasha that have to do with Hanukkah. Now, one of them is the dream of Paro. Paro dreamt that there were seven skinny cows that swallowed seven fat cows. In other words, the skinny ones, the weak ones, went ahead and swallowed what? The strong and fat ones. And this is what we have in Hanukkah with the Hashmonaim. The weak ones have swallowed and chased out the uh, Greeks from Eretz Israel. Another one, another remez, another hint was with Yosef at Sadiq. Yosef at Sadiq, he resisted all kinds of temptations in Egypt. The, the, the Egyptians were shtufezimah, it was immorality, it was Abu Dazarah. And he resisted all and went ahead and became the viceroy of Egypt. The Hashmonaim were the same. They were simple farmers in a town, Modin, it's in a village called Modin. And they resisted all the temptations and all the enticements of the Greeks. And what happened after that? They became also kings of Israel. Is a parallel between Yosef as Sadiq and the Hashmonaim. But there's something, a third kind of a kesher, which I want to uh, uh, actually speak uh, longer about. And when Yosef as Sadiq came to Paro, the first thing Paro did was he gave him, he paid him a compliment. He said to him, You know, I hear that. You, when you hear a, uh, a dream, you can interpret the dream properly. In other words, he's telling him, you yourself, you know, you're, you're a smart man. Uh, you have wisdom. You have intelligence. You have cleverness. And, and obviously what Yosef should have said after that was, sure. You know, imagine if you go to uh, to a, a boss for a job and for a position and uh, in you, 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 and the, your boss is giving you a compliment what are you going to do? So, no it's not true of course not but Yosef had in mind that perhaps he can get something out of this but he did not fall for the compliment what did he say? Bil Adai Elohim ya'ane et shalom paro. Bil Adai. What's that Bil Adai? Not me, somebody else. Elohim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that's going to answer these interpretations, the dreams. I'm nothing. Whatever wisdom, whatever intelligence that you're attributing to me came from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm nothing more than a shaliyah, an agent. That's all. This corresponds also with the theme of Hanukkah. First of all, let me, I would like to bring up a, a, a short history of Hanukkah. 
To understand the story of Hanukkah, we have to go back to the year, what, 335 before the common era. That's when Alexander, called later Alexander the Great, who was only 20 years old, started out a war against many, many countries that were much more powerful than his country. He came from Macedonia, small, really small country. But he was able in 10 years, by the time he was 30 years old, he conquered Egypt, most of the Middle East, the Persian Empire, even some parts of India. Unbelievable. He actually, according to historians, he develops a kind of uh, 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 art of warfare that was different. Before him, in general, people, when they were fighting, they would have hand-to-hand combat. He devised a way where they had spears that were 20 feet long. 20 feet long. And he had this wall of hundreds of soldiers as they were coming against the enemy. And from 20 feet away, they were killing them. That's why they were able to win over uh, other other, uh, armies that were much more powerful than they were. Now, when he finally came to Yerushalayim, of course he came with the idea uh, to to, uh, also subdue Yerushalayim and perhaps destroy the Beit HaMikdash. But then there was a very, very smart and clever Sadiq called Shimona Sadiq. What he did was, he took a Sefer Torah and he took a lot of others with him, with Sefer Torah, and they came to greet the uh, uh, Alexander with his troops. And imagine now Shimon al-Sadiq was uh, a man, an elderly person with long gray beard. And when Alexander saw him, he actually dismounted. He came off his horse and bowed down to him. And that, that was a, a, a sight unseen, that Alexander should bow down to somebody. Later on, one of his generals asked him, how come you bowed down to, uh, to this uh, man? He said he had a dream. And in that dream, he saw an angelic face that would look exactly like Shimon al-Sadiq. And that's perhaps that was what was helping him in his successes. So Alexander was quite tolerant to the Jewish religion. He did not uh, enact any decrees against uh, the Torah or the Mizvot. Unfortunately, he only lived for about another three years. At the age of 33, either he died or was assassinated. Soon as he died, the this huge empire was split. There were the Egyptian uh, uh, Greeks, which they called the Ptolemies, and then the Syrian Greeks, which they called the Seleucids. So initially, the um, uh, Judea, Eris Israel, came under the control of the Ptolemies, that's the Egyptian Greeks. And the Egyptian Greeks more or less were tolerant in the sense that they did not try to enact any decrees 
specifically that would uh, be against the Torah. However, they used a different tactic. They used strong persuasion. They used enticements. And they were trying to tell the people, look, you want to advance economically. You want to be wealthy. You want to be powerful. Then adopt our culture. And there were many, many tens of thousands of Jews that actually fell into that trap. Especially the nobility, the high people, the, the wealthy people. They fell, they fell into the trap. They started, uh, they had the uh, Jewish, uh, 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 Greek names, uh, uh, Greek uh, uh, language, uh, Greek, uh, they were wearing clothing, the Greek clothing, everything was Greek. Now this went on for 100 years. Imagine 100 years of such persuasion, such enticements. It took its toll. Thousands of these, tens of thousands of Jews are already, they were collaborating with the Greeks. Now what happened was, after that, after about 100 years, there was again some fight between the Syrian Greeks and the Egyptian Greeks. And at the end of that fight, then Judea fell under the control of the Syrian Greeks. Now the Syrian Greeks were not as tolerant as, as the Egyptian ones. They, uh, uh, Antiochus the, the fourth was a madman. He, uh, of course, with the help of the uh, Greek sympathizers, which they called the Hellenizers, he, he actually enacted decrees, no Shabbat, no Mila, no Rosh Chodesh. If you don't have Rosh Chodesh, then you don't know what the Mu'adim are, which means no Yamim Tovim either. No Rosh Chodesh, you can't... He, what tells you when the Moed is going to be? Unbelievable. But then stop right there. For now we have decrees, you have to enforce them. You know what they did? They used to send bands of troops from village to village. And they would erect in the center of the village, they would erect the statue of Jupiter. And then they would look for the leader of the village and they would ask him under the penalty of death to actually take a pig and sacrifice the pig to their god Jupiter and after that slice pieces of it and give it to the people to eat. Now they did that in many places. Then finally they came to the town called a village called Modin. That's when where the Hashmonaim lived. So obviously, after they erected the statue, who did they go to? Matatyahu. He was the leader. They asked Matatyahu to come in and sacrifice and give pieces to the people. Didn't move. No movement. Nothing. All of a sudden, one of the Greek sympathizers says, I'll do it. And he came, and he was about to sacrifice it. Then, in a flash... Matityahu went ahead, he pulled out the sword of the captain. He killed this uh, Jewish Greek sympathizer. And when the captain wanted to fight, he killed him too. And all of a sudden, 
his sons joined into the battle. And before you know it, uh, in the time that it'll take me to describe this, all the soldiers were, were dead. Now, the rebellion started. Oh, I don't call it rebellion. I really call it re liberation of Eretz Yisrael started. But they knew one thing. The Greeks were not going to be uh, just sitting and, and waiting for the next thing to happen. They knew they were going to bring, uh, bring in a lot of troops after them. So they had to uh, flee. They had to run away to the hills. And that's what Judah did. And his brothers. And they resorted to guerrilla warfare. Every now and then they will see a band of uh, Greek soldiers and they'll ambush them and kill them. But they knew one thing. Just guerrilla warfare was not going to get them anywhere. They had to be prepared for big battles. So, whoever wants Isfara Kadosh Baruch Hu come, he recruited thousands of Jews who finally uh, uh, understood that the Greeks had to go. That was the only way to bring the Torah back. And there was one great battle that was the battle of Emmaus, which was in the outskirts of Yerushalayim. And Judah Maccabee and his troops, with the help of Akadosh Baruch Hu, they were able to defeat the Greeks. And now the road to Yerushalayim was empty. They went to the Beit HaMikdash, they purified everything, and you know the story after that, they only found one vial, one jug of oil. There was pure oil with the seal of the Kohen Gadol, and they lasted for eight days. Now, many people think this is the end of the story of Hanukkah. No way. It was just the beginning. I don't want to go into uh, more of it because uh, it's going to take too, too long. But it took another 25 years of battling with the Greeks before finally they were able to have full independence and elected Simon, who was one of the last of the five brothers that stayed alive. All the others died in battle. Simon became the king. Now, we see here a similar situation like we said with Yosef. Yosef said, Bil Adai. What does that mean? Not me. Somebody else. It's not my 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 intelligence or my efforts are nothing. It's Agadosh Baruch Hu that's doing this. The same thing was with the Hajmunaim. It wasn't them. As a matter of fact, when they went to war, the day before they went to war, they fasted. They need all day. And they prayed to Hashem to help them. Their efforts was not for the purpose of gaining power and clout. It was for restoring the Torah and the Mitzvot, the proper Mitzvot as taught by our Hakamim. That was their main goal and the main objective. Because this is a great lesson for us all. But let me let me amplify this a little more. I heard once from one of the Shi'orim of Hakam Awadeh Yosef Shalom. He said, 
Imagine a businessman who opens a new store. He spends maybe a couple hundred thousand dollars on the store. Now he wants to have a grand opening. What does he do? First of all, he makes the store beautiful, you know, renovates it and looks beautiful. Then he advertises uh, on, on newspapers and uh, sends out flyers all over. Uh, then he advertised for uh, prizes for children. Oh, you know what? 25% off on the first day. And, and so on and so forth. Then when the first day of opening comes, a thousand people are there. A thousand people. Ah, real, real success. Now, this businessman can think one or two ways. You see, I have experience in business. I'm a smart man. I know. I worked. I spent money. I know what I'm doing. And therefore, I was successful. Or he could say, you know what? It's the other way around. Akadosh Baruch Hu is maktib. He gives exactly, precisely what the panasa of a person from one Rosh Hashanah to the other Rosh Hashanah. Whatever success was going to be, it was already predicted. It was preordained. All my efforts were only in order, the ishtadlut, in order to bring me the success. But everything is from Hashem. That is bil'adai. Elohim ya'ane et shalom paron. Same with the hashmunayim. All the efforts is only be, the, the, the tools, the means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave me so that I can uh, arrive, I can achieve my objectives. There is a Something that we talk about uh, uh, about the kings, we had we had kings. One, uh, David Melech was, of course, a big tzaddik, Hasid, and Hiskiah Melech was also a big tzaddik. Hiskiah Melech in his kingdom, he made sure everyone was learning Torah, everyone, even kids. No one was was spared from learning the Torah. They almost called him a Mashiach, but it didn't work out, but almost. Now, what happened with David HaMelech? David HaMelech said in Shmuel, in Shmuel Bet, Erdefa oibai ashmidem velo ashuv at kalotam. I'm going to pursue the enemy. I'm going to run after them. I am going to kill them. And I'm not going to get back until I finish them off. That's David Amelech. Hezkiah, he was surrounded, his town, Yerushalayim, was surrounded with Sanherib. Sanherib was a general that had hundreds of thousands of soldiers with him. He came specifically to destroy Yerushalayim, to raise it. And they told him, oh, you know, you better come in very strong because Yerushalayim is not easy to capture. And when he came, he saw Yerushalayim. <laughs> he was laughing. What a, it's a piece of cake. <laughs> he was laughing. He'll wait until the next morning, then he'll go in. Hezkiah, what did he do? He didn't fight. Didn't do anything. Went to his bed, prayed to Hashem, and that was it. And what happened? Akadosh Baruch Hu helped him. 
all those soldiers, all the hundreds of thousands, what died overnight. How did they die? There's a different of opinion, but one of the opinion was that the Malachim were singing a song, opened their ears, and the song went into their ears, and they died from it. Now, their bodies were, were there. The armament was there. Imagine the amount of booty that they actually took uh, from, from, this, uh, uh, from, from this event here. Hundreds of thousands of soldiers. Not only the enemy was eradicated, but they had also big spoils from, uh, from this. Now, you would say to yourself, and if I asked you, who has the biggest bitahon here? David Amelech or Hezekiah Amelech? Most people would say Hezekiah Amelech. He had big bitahon. And do, you know, it's just that Hashem will help. Rabbi Desla said, actually, it's not that way. Why? Because sometimes a person, if you want to uh, rely on a miracle to happen and do nothing, absolutely, no ishtadut whatsoever, it's bad. Because first of all, maybe the miracle will not happen. Maybe he does not the big schut that the miracle should happen to him. And if he does, a lot of his schuyot will be taken away from him. David Amelech, according to Rabbi Desla, had the biggest bitahon. Why? Because he went ahead, made a tremendous ishtadlut by running, by pursuing them, by killing them. But everything that he did was not him. It was Bil'adai. Like Yosef al-Sadiq. Bil'adai ya'anei Hashem et shalom paron. Bil'adai. Not me. This all came from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I have nothing to do with it. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu did help him. Abutai, this is a great lesson that we should learn from him. We should learn from Yosef HaTzadik. We should learn from the Hashmonaim. We should learn the same lesson from David HaMelech. Whatever it is, whether it's in business, in family, in, 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 a, in a way of bringing up your children, or whether you're talking with your friends or trying to make peace between friends or peace between a husband and wife, remember, you are only the shaliyah. That's all. All the efforts comes that you're putting in is only the means. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that will finally give you the end result. That's a very important lesson in Bitahon. And this is what we learn from the story of Hanukkah. Have strong Bitahon that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one that brings everything. When, when we see what happened when we study the history of the war between the Hashmonaim and the Greeks, it's really mind-boggling. Now, people might come to you and say, well, we can rationalize this. Well, maybe, you know, uh, maybe the Greeks were at that point already, they were fighting other, other countries. Uh, uh, Rome uh, was, uh, was uh, the Romans now. 
were becoming at that time very strong and and uh, uh, they, they were afraid of, of the Romans also and 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 then you might say well you know what the the Jews were very uh, familiar with the terrain that they had you can uh, you can bring in all kinds of reasons but Rabotai, it does not really explain how this small band of of Hashmonaim and the, their followers were able to actually uh, uh, um, get a Greek, a mighty Greek empire out of their country. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's very, very, very hard, very hard to believe. It's not easy, but they did it. With the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and with the help of their prayers and their fasting, not not my force and, and my power. No. It's the help of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bil'adai. That's what you have to remember. Bil'adai Elohim Ya'ane Et Shalom Parao. So I want wish you a very happy Hanukkah. Aksameh to all of you. I want you to please remember this beautiful station. Try and make an effort to help as much as you can. And if you have a simha, look us up. We have a nicely renovated uh, a ballroom. Any simha that you have, wedding, bar mitzvah, brit milah, call us. We'll be very happy to accommodate you. Okay. Shavua tov. Iskulish anim rabot.